Mama Pod, real ass moms sharing real ass experiences, the things people don't tell you. Hey, Mama, hey. Hey, Mama, hey. What's going on, friend? Uh, same. <laughs> I, I don't know what's saying. <laughs> what, same, same shit, different day. <laughs> Yeah, whatever they say. They say all the time. And, uh, you know, it just slipped my, slipped my mind. How are you? You sound tired. Wake up. <laughs> I'm Surprisingly, I'm not tired. I had some coffee mm-hmm. midday. So I'm still, I'm, I'm in a mood to, to keep the night rolling. So maybe I need to wake my voice up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's Thursday. It is Thursday. It is, it is Friday Eve. I'm excited. And I'm off tomorrow. Work week. I'm off tomorrow, so I'm happy about that. I'm taking full advantage of my day off. What are you doing on your day off? Well, you know, I'm going to hang out with myself. Jonathan okay. has to go to work. Eli has to go to school, so I am taking a me day where I'm going to go to the mall and do some maybe shopping, okay. and let's see, I'm going to Target, just doing stuff that I like to do. That's what I'm doing. Awesome. That's what I'm doing. I love it. Yes. You deserve it. Well, you thank you. Thank it. you, darling. Thank you, darling. Yeah. How was your day? Look, I'm in the trenches at work. I'm going to just say that until uh, school's over. Okay? Yes, we're um, in the final in days. Mm-hmm. We're in the final so days. It is what it is, one day at a time. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. So what are we talking about today, friend? Wow. We are actually talking about infertility um, tonight. And um, I'm really, I feel bad for saying excited. I don't think that's the right term, but um, just happy we are getting this information out. Yeah. Um, I, I'm happy that we are able to form community and have conversations around infertility um, because it's not really talked about within our community. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a conversation maybe a few months back and one of my friends, like, she was like, oh, I didn't know black women had infertility issues. And I'm what? like, what? Yes, we do. <laughs> like, we don't. It's not talk a race it. thing. Like, it's a, a people right, thing. It's not a race thing. <laughs> right. People thing, a woman thing. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, we had a very educated conversation about that. And I'm not shaming her or anything to that sort. But, like, I, I was just like, wow, if you think like that, it's plenty other people that probably think like that as well right so just bringing um awareness to this you know this thing that people are going through mm-hmm. on a daily basis and fighting the good fight to you know have their family goals and yeah. something that may be so simple for some people it's really hard for others yeah so just creating space for that yeah i mean y'all know my journey so um everyone's oh infertility journeys look different for different people so Mm -hmm. i'm happy that we're able to have a special guest here who's able to share her journey um to mamahood and when i tell y'all her journey is oh that's that's my word 
get your tissue. Get your <laughs> tissue because you may. You may cry. need no, it. You're gonna cry. Yeah. I cried. I know I'm a cry baby, but <laughs> yeah. Get yeah. your tissue ready, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Definitely so a tearjerker. Tonight we have Delaine Williams, and she will tell you more about herself and her journey and all that. But we just want to really introduce her and welcome her to the show. So, Delaine, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you guys for having me. Of Hi, Delaine. Hello. Yeah, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Y'all hear that cocoa melon in the background? <laughs> no, I don't care. No, but if we do, <laughs> guess what? We know how to tune it out. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't yeah, even bother me I no more. I do not hear cocoa melon. <laughs> we don't oh hear it goodness. we do not hear coco melon but the if we do it's okay really diverse though oh, i didn't even know yeah. it's a new season i don't I didn't know it was a new season. i'm not like showing eli's a new season y'all need to go in there they got younger siblings older siblings on there what they got latino families yeah okay coco melon yeah, indian american families on there I love it. Yeah. There's some controversy <laughs> out around Coco Melon, but we'll have to save that conversation for another day. <laughs> okay, we can discuss that offline. Yeah, we'll have to talk That'll about that. Podcast. Yeah, another episode. <laughs> another episode. So, Delane, okay. welcome to the Real Mama Pod. Um, We've shared with our community that you are here to talk about your journey to mamahood and just, you know, your process. And we have a, not a whole lot of questions, but we have some questions, you know, just to learn more about your process and about infertility. And I personally am excited to to dive into this conversation. So I hope you're happy to be here with us, too. I'm happy to be here. I I love talking about infertility. It's so crazy because I've worked in health and benefits. So um, for over 10 years now, helping companies really just offer the best benefits and to their employees. Um, and just so happens that my career journey um, met a personal journey. While I was working at a consulting firm, I started going through um started struggling with infertility. I kind of always suspected that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd always had really, really heavy cycles. Um, as I got older, they just became more debilitating. And my OBGYN never felt comfortable diagnosing me with endometriosis or anything like that. But they were really bad. I always thought something was wrong. Um, so, um, wait, am I skipping anything y'all needed to ask me? Oh, no. <laughs> no, you're so good. But it's fine. Okay. Uh, typically, we ask our special guests a journey to mamahood. So, you kind of okay. yeah, went right into it. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So, I got married when I was 29. This was um, okay. October of 2015, and we waited exactly two years. So, um, on the vacation, okay. So, Two years into that, we started trying. I immediately went to um, my OBGYN to tell her the concerns I had. And um, some, they just don't really look beneath the surface. And she kept saying, you haven't been trying that long, so you really shouldn't be looking into something going wrong. Mm. And looking back, I mean, there were a couple things we could have done immediately to see if something was going wrong. Um, 
And about seven, eight months into it, um, you know, we went to look at my uterine lining and to have a myomectomy. I had fibroids, thinking that was the issue. That wasn't the issue. And then um, finally, I was just bumbling around online this was almost a year later after we started trying and weren't having any success. And I just was having bleeding and bleeding and bleeding that, um, you know, I asked my husband to go get a sperm analysis. And that's where we definitively found out that we had male factor infertility, that we got a diagnosis for him. So I thought something was wrong with me, but we got a definitive diagnosis for him. So mm-hmm. let's go back to that initial appointment early on when I told her I thought something was wrong. And we could have checked a couple non-invasive boxes Mm -hmm. figured one aspect of that out you know um so from there um a colleague of mine which is gonna bring me to my um career journey now being at progeny but a colleague of mine at the consulting firm i was at her neighbor had gone to school this is how i got referred to my facility clinic because there's no resource for me to point me to a physician that was going to suit my needs i had google her neighbor was a reproductive endocrinologist. He'd gone to school with a reproductive endocrinologist that was highly touted and lived in Tampa, Florida. And, and he said, look her up and go to the clinic where she's at. So that's what I did. <laughs> um, and that's how I got connected to the fertility clinic that ended up helping us build our family. We just speeded up. We went through two cycles of IUI. Um, each failed. Um, this is a very emotionally taxing journey that I was carrying in secret also. So no one really knew I was going through it. A select few friends knew. I had never met a black woman who conceived via idea mm-hmm. ever or had, you know, admittedly had reproductive issue, um, you know, issues at all, you know, in black culture to some extent, um, you know, they pray things away, but there's a literal statistic out there. Black women are 50 times as likely to experience infertility, um, but significantly less likely to seek out care. Mm-hmm. So we're twice as likely, twice as likely to experience infertility, 50% less likely to seek out care. And there are a number of reasons for that, you know, access, um, you know, just kind of like not really having physicians that are going to advocate for us or help us educate ourselves on those things. And it really just says take our own efforts to kind of advocate and amplify our voices. Um, but um, I ended up getting ready to go and have um, begin IVF because IUI had failed twice, which IVF, I, IUI fails with most people. I think it's got like a national average success rate of like 7%. Or oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us what IUI is? So IUI um, is artificial insemination. So um, for couples who are using their own eggs and their own sperm, they're going to set you up on um, a cycle. They'll give you a drug to help you ovulate. There'll be a trigger shot to trigger the time that you ovulate. And then you'll come into the office at a specific time the next day. Your partner will um, ejaculate into a cup. They'll clean and wash the sperm, put it into a little tube, and then insert it inside of you. Oh, um, wow. wow. And, you know, prayerfully from that, a baby is made. Because when you only do it once or twice, I mean, it is significantly cheaper than IVF. But a major barrier to care is some companies will have this in their um, insurance plans as mandatory, you know, like a mandated step therapy. And mm. for a family like us, like IUI was never the best route for us. 
you know, mm-hmm. like we had diagnosis that that just was not going to work. But I'm like, hey, it's not as invasive. It's significantly cheaper before we start tapping into, you know, this dollar cap benefit. Let's see if this will work. So we made some cost-based treatment decisions that probably weren't in our best interest. Yeah. Um, which is what happens when you don't have equitable care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is, mm-hmm. so IUI is essentially like they're creating the embryo outside of your. No, that's not the okay. IUI is a sophisticated turkey baker. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I get so confused and I'm sure, <laughs> sure there are listeners yeah. that would also be confused about what the difference is between the two, like what they actually look like. Um, yeah. So the, 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 it's nothing being extracted from the female's body. It's just the sperm being washed mm-hmm. and just telling it exactly where to go. Got it. Um, that's part of why I have such a low success rate. But there are families where it's a good fit for them, and they do mm-hmm. the CVI, IUI. Okay. And you said that had a 7%. I think it has like a national average. Now, progeny's average, I believe, is around 12% because we get a little more specific with recommending it for couples that it would actually be a better fit for. But even still that compared to the success rate of IVF. Yeah. yeah. It's drastic. Yeah. So, Delane, wow. you mentioned that you had endometri or you have endometriosis. Mm-hmm. I know when I heard of endometriosis, I had to do a, a Google search because I I didn't know what it was. Are you able to, to tell us what endometriosis is? Yeah. So, um, at my first appointment to begin IVF, um, the doctor did a sonogram, a saline sonogram, and saw that I had this fibroid that was impeding my uterine cavity. And they're like, we don't want that. We're going to put the baby in there. You know, like, that's not optimal environment. So mm-hmm. I had to have a myomectomy, which pushed my baby timeline back like five, six months. I was yeah. not happy. But within that surgery, they found that I had extremely severe um, endometriosis, which is essentially where the tissue inside of your uterus that you are, the, of your uterine lining that is shedding each month during your cycle is actually going to, you know, externally outside of your uterus. Mm-hmm. So mine had actually began to web my reproductive organs together. So they had mm-hmm. to cut through a significant amount of tissue to get to my ovaries and things like that and to really see what was going on. So just imagine like all of this growth. And if you look it up, you can kind of see the pictures, but imagine how that feels. It literally feels wow. like a stabby. Wow. And you kind of think it's normal. That's why so much of it goes undiagnosed. You kind of think like it's normal because so many women that deal with it have just dealt with it their entire lives or mm-hmm. it's been suppressed with birth control and they never really got to the bottom of it. So it was then that I was diagnosed with endometriosis after suffering from it well over 10 years. Yeah. Um, so we both, my, my husband and I, we both had a diagnosis of infertility. So wow. it was virtually impossible for us to conceive naturally. But as you guys know, there's, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> so your fallopian tubes and your ovaries are affected by endometriosis, which is essentially yeah, the organs that you need to like conceive. Some, yeah. Some people have growth around their fallopian tubes or scarring around their fallopian tubes. I mm-hmm. um, did not, but a significant number of women end up having their fallopian tubes, you know, taken out or they have scar tissue for various reasons and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Wow. And for those of you Mm -hmm. who don't know what fibroids are, they're essentially non-cancerous growth in your uterus. So it's like Mm -hmm. this. Think of a a small tumor or it can can be large, too, actually, um, that grows inside of your uterus. And it really can (laughs) it can affect so much. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's very common in, in black women. I know my mom had very bad fibroids and she had to end up getting a hysterectomy because they were not they weren't going anywhere she would get them removed they would grow back aggressively and she just she had to end up getting um a hysterectomy wow okay i developed them when i was pregnant with drew yeah yep some women get them while they're pregnant which the things that we go through my gosh my God! Let me tell you. <laughs> if, you if anybody knows, you know. <laughs> but I just say, you know, sometimes you think about that. It's like I have a very, very nice husband, but I'm just saying, you know, every now and then they might say something. It's like, do you realize? <laughs> and you know what, Delane? Like you mentioned that you had to ch- end up checking your husband's fertility because that's not usually a go-to right. it's always us making sure and we're okay so what's wrong with my body right. exactly exactly so delane mentioned a semen or sperm analysis i can't which i can't remember which one you yeah, use but sperm, they're the same thing okay yeah so there it's essentially like an analysis of the sperm like is it good quality it how's the volume of it how are the characteristics of the sperm um so it's I'm happy that you talked about that because a lot of women do not think to say, let's check you out because there might be something wrong with you and not me. So it's like we have this default or knee jerk reaction to check ourselves and not our partners. Uh Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not even women doctors. Like that should be like when you are going through this journey, you should go together and they should be checking your spouse mm-hmm. and you, not just the woman. And I, I, I really find that baffling in twenty twenty two that we are still just putting all this burden on women. Yeah, like misconception yeah. about infertility. And you know, the, really, the statistic, the data shows that it's equally like the diagnosis of male factor and female factor are split. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, I mean, it's it's split into three. So part of it's, you know, like undiagnosed, equal parts, female factor, equal parts, male factor. I mean, it's so common. Well, we've been programmed. Nobody talks about it. Yeah, it's like society has been programmed to look at the woman. Like, let's look at Mm -hmm. her and see what's wrong with her and forget him. I'm going to share something that I, I didn't share. I haven't really shared publicly before, but. Um, it wasn't until I came to Progeny that my husband realized the importance of him giving me space to tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. Because privately, I carried that assumption and the burden of people thinking that it was just me. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that was heavy, you know? Mm-hmm. But the burden of infertility in itself was heavy. But then to go somewhere to where you have the opportunity to tell your story for a living and, um, you know, have the opportunity to share in a way that helps people and helps you, mm-hmm. you know, he became really understanding of it. So I have been able to share to an extent um, that it wasn't just me that was diagnosed, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, 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 that's part of Yeah. And I'm glad he gave me space to even do that. So 
yeah. And supporting you. I love yeah. it. We love supportive partners. We do. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> you know, I was getting on our nerves, but we do have them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, I know we're kind of like going back and forth and things like that, but can you uh, tell us about your IVF process? I know you mentioned that you went through two. So, Michael? Um, I went through two cycles of IUI. So my employer at the time, they had a dollar cap benefit. So... Oh Employers, if they have a benefit in place, they'll sometimes say, okay, we have $20,000 and, you know, everyone has access to it. And they think that that's equitable. Well, it's not equitable because everybody's going to have a different treatment path. It's going to have different costs. I mean, of course, and then taking into consideration, um, those types of benefits usually also require a diagnosis of infertility. We just discussed how difficult that is to obtain Mm -hmm. um, for both heterosexual couples, but especially for same-sex. Mm-hmm. So when you think about health equity and things like that, mm-hmm. um, dollar cap benefits are not equitable. Mm-hmm. However, I did conceive using one. My employer provided a $20,000 dollar cap benefit. It excluded PGTM testing, which is a type of genetic testing for embryos that really tests the quality for any type of, you know, a, a predisposition to genetic diseases. So, um, it could be sickle cell. It could be cystic fibrosis. There are tons of rare illnesses out there that you may be prone to because of family history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you or your spouse could be genetic carriers. Um, but also, maybe you've had recurrent miscarriages, and there's a reason to look beneath the surface at, you know, egg quality and things like that to find mm-hmm. out why. So this is a type of testing that really does optimize your opportunity to have a family, have a healthy baby. Okay. But it's usually excluded. So, and it usually costs like anywhere from like ten to twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Wow. Um, that was excluded. Thankfully, we ended up not needing it because my husband and I did were not genetically predisposed to anything, and we okay. had not. Um, we had not at that time experienced loss, mm-hmm. any losses. So, um, we went in and. I would say that even though we had a $20,000 dollar cap benefit, we probably paid about $20,000 out of pocket still because of all these prior preservation, which is prior preservation is like when you, you go in to get your female goes in to get her eggs retrieved, they're paired with the male sperm. Mm-hmm. And then the embryos that are formed for, from that is what they use, you know, and those become your babies. So you don't ever want to have to go through ovarian stimulation again and have to do another egg retrieval. It's very common for families to go back multiple times because you, they, you may not always be successful. There are women who it's very common for women to go in and come back with no surviving embryos that oh survive the process because of maybe quality, low egg reserve. Maybe they all were genetically predisposed to something. Um, numerous, numerous reasons. Um, or you just had like a shitty doctor who overstimmed your ovaries and, you know, they just didn't really take great care of you. So um, all of those things go into this process. So it, when you come out, let's say it goes well and you have like six embryos. Mm-hmm. So you have to pay for those to be stored. <laughs> so we got to yeah, pay for pay the process, stores, storage, like shipping. <sighs> Yeah, so the first cryopreservation bill can be like, you know, upwards of like $2,000. Mm-hmm. 
after that, I would say it's about $500 a year. It's really expensive, but yeah. um, it can be upwards about $2,000. So you have that that you have to pay for and just a significant amount of things that are excluded from the plan. So anyway, and then you have to wake up at the at crack of dawn like every day and get these mm-hmm. tests. Um, you know, so those are usually excluded also from like standard fertility benefit plans if your employer even has a benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, we went in, we went through, you know, the cycle and we, I believe we had seven embryos, five of them um, survived, you know, into five-day blastocysts. I did a fresh transfer. Now, I wanted to do a fresh transfer because I was really anxious to get pregnant, right? But it mm-hmm. wasn't recommended to me because, you know, you have your over your body is really high on these stimulants, right? On all these drugs that were used to stimulate your ovaries. So it's only like a few days in between your eggs being retrieved and your body being stimulated to produce these eggs. Um, and then the embryo being put back inside of you. So your body hasn't had time to settle down. And I had a solid diagnosis of severe endometriosis. That's called an adaminoid meiosis. We're going to have to Google how to pronounce that after this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a formal term. Um, so um, we did that and I did become pregnant. Um, and a few weeks later, I lost that baby. I was devastated. Um, and I, I don't think this is something you ever really fully get over. I think yeah. you have a, once you have a baby in your arms, it's comfort and there's like the dream realized, but nothing ever replaces that baby that you never got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, yeah. I, I know you can relate. Mm-hmm. Um, transparent with your journey. So yeah. Um, after that, um, my doctor was like, look, we have an endometriosis diagnosis. Let's wait 90 days um, and put you on birth control, shut down your, you know, cycle, you know, calm it down, create a controlled environment, and then we'll try another transfer. So I needed something to do with this 90 days. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'd already been kind of like eliminated plastics from my house and had been watching what I was eating. I wasn't taking, I wasn't um, consuming any caffeine um, or red meats and things like that. So I actually went and hired a personal trainer, like a one-on-one personal trainer. And I literally worked out five days a week. Wow. Up until the day before my embryo transfer. And that's how I kept myself busy. Mm Mm-hmm. I lost like 25 pounds. Diet too, or just, I know you say you got rid of the plastic. Um, um, yeah, I mean. Diet or. She said no red meat too, right? Yeah, no I meat. wasn't really eating, I wasn't really consuming red meat or caffeine. I already on a, like in my everyday life, don't use sugar or anything like that. Like I did Whole30 a couple years ago and it just, the ingredients just kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So um, I was basically just doing that just yeah just working out all the time keeping myself busy um trying to keep my marriage afloat yeah I have a really hot sex drive and I mean that was <laughs> okay a, girl a really <laughs> that was a really that was a really trying time throughout this entire process because 
there's a lot of times throughout the IVF process where you cannot or where you don't feel like it or, you know, there's just a disconnect because you're being poked and prodded so much and yeah. your spouse is going through these things too. And it's like, you know, it's a lot, you know, you just not always, even though you're together, you know, yeah. you just not on the same page yeah. about going there as you previously um, could have been. And we were both grieving. Yeah. You know, um, so that was really challenging. Yeah. So you mentioned that you worked out a lot. You changed your diet. Is working out kind of what helped maintain your mental health? Or did you have any other activities that you took part in just to keep yourself together? Because it's it's hard losing a child. And then you also, you know, had these processes that you were trying to navigate. So there was just so much that you had going on. And I imagine your mental health was tested. So did you use like yeah. working out to kind of help you get through that? Or were there other activities or practices that you had? It was one other thing, but it was working out. Like I am in life. I'm just better when I'm working out. Like mm-hmm. my best friend will be like, you've been really cranky lately. You need to go to the gym. <laughs> um, I'm just better when I work out. So I think that that was really important to me. But also coincidentally, my grandmother ended up being diagnosed with terminal cancer during that time period. Oh, wow. Um, so I ended up being super busy. Like I had maybe like a couple weeks. Uh, maybe like a month into us losing the baby, um, we found out that she was really, really sick. And then I immediately had to dive into that. So that was keeping me really busy. But it was also giving me a lot of perspective, right? And it was like really bringing me close to God, too, because it was bringing me up close and personal with suffering, right? Um, so it was truly like just an out-of-body healing experience on this journey, to have to, you know, prepare for my next embryo transfer. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I really do believe like God gives us beauty from ashes in just one really tangible way that it's so crazy. But um, after we lost our first baby, she'd given my husband like baby names. And he didn't tell me this at the time. Um, he was like, one of them was like Josephine or something. And I was like, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, one of them was Graceland, and our daughter's name is Nandi Graceland Williams. And my oh. embryo transfer was on October 10th, and she passed away on October 1st. Oh. So I was pregnant with Nandi at her funeral. A lot of people don't know that, but those are wow. things that really just helped push me forward. Like, I did not have the comfort of just, like, wallowing in it. Like, it was painful. I was grieving. But, you know, I feel like the Lord was like, like can you take us Delaine to that point where you found out that this IVF process had worked in your favor you're pregnant and we are we're on that journey to to get to the finish line of having this baby how what does that look like for you or what did that look like for you and your husband scary as hell I mean Mm -hmm. I think that after you experience a loss the baby that you carry immediately after that loss, like you have missed out on all of the joy that comes with just being pregnant and having no clue that you could experience tragedy. Mm -hmm. So it was stressful. I lost my hair. Like I have stress triggered alopecia. So I had a big old ball spot in the back of my head. Um, I mean, once we got to the point of seeing a heartbeat, we were happy in that moment. But 
I won't even lie to you. It was not an exciting time. I was just counting down to when each mark. So when we hit the 12 week mark, when we got to the point of viability, that was a really big deal. Um, and when she was finally here, and then you have to think this all happened when COVID was set and stuff like that. So all that was unraveling. Uh, yeah. It's another layer. So much of my also. <laughs> yes. So um, that was really crazy. So I will say like that moment, it was like I was holding my breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand oh. that. When I got pregnant with Eli, I was always, I would, Devin can tell you, I was super, I was stressed the hell out. Like, and I spot or spotted, whatever, um, the first trimester, the whole time. And I stayed on that phone with my OBG. I'm like, listen, girl, I don't, I'm spotting, you know, I'm super paranoid because we just had this miscarriage and I didn't have any symptoms of the miscarriage. Like I just showed up to hear my baby's heartbeat and it wasn't there. So the second, like when we were pregnant with Eli, I was just super nervous because then I was spotting and they're like, oh, it's okay. Like, this is normal. It happens sometimes with moms, like your uh, embryos probably attaching to the uterus or something. All this, I'm like, honestly, I don't want to hear that. I just want the spotting to stop because it's, it's making me paranoid, right? You know, yeah. everybody has yeah, all yeah. these theories, but it, it scares the hell out of you, if especially if you've experienced a loss, you know. So I completely right. understand how you feel. Hell, you're like that the whole pregnancy. I was always paranoid. And, you know, Eli came out in dramatically. So it was just, I, I understand. <laughs> I yes, I yes. understand. So hats yeah, off to I you, ended Mama. Up so you bled your entire pregnancy? I bled my entire pregnancy was in and out of the hospital with her. <sighs> uh, I ended up getting diagnosed with a partial placental abruption. Oh, oh my, my gosh. goodness. How long did uh, how far did you carry your daughter? Thirty eight weeks. Okay. Wow. Okay, that's good. That that is. Thirty eight weeks. Thirty eight weeks. Yeah, surprising. Right? <sighs> Man. So y'all were happy. Baby girl is here. Oh, when She's she healthy. Got here. <laughs> she, I think we exhaled when she exhaled when she got here. Yep. I did not trust my body. I just thought my body was going to betray me. Mm-hmm. I had no peace of mind at any point while I was pregnant or any excitement at all. I just was like, let me get to the point where, oh, when she's here, when she came, I remember just, whoa. Deep sigh like, of relief. A big sigh of relief is, you know, this overwhelming wash of emotions and things like that and like wow it really brought me to a crossroads at a lot of points in my life professionally personally which I ended up at Progeny as a result of that right mm-hmm. about nine months when I started at Progeny so yeah. and tell us about your journey with Progeny and you know how you ended up there because I feel like your story is unique and I feel like the company you work for now is just phenomenal yeah if your baby come in that is okay we're mamas so it's expected so i will say so um a friend of mine was a male friend of mine worked at same company as i was and he was going through ivf with his wife um and 
I reached out to him to tell him that I was, you know, not feeling fulfilled at work. Mm-hmm. I was currently wasn't sure what I was going to do next. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go full time real estate, what I'm going to do. So, well, why don't you check out Progeny? And I said, you know, I've had a career alert on for them for a while, but nothing has ever come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also not something I have said live, but I ended up getting a, a recruiter reached out to me for a job at a different company, and it was like a VP position. And I went through like seven rounds of interviews. I like had the department of my choice. I got the job. Two wow. weeks before my start date, they were sent to the office. Oh my. And wow. I was devastated. And I was on the phone with my friends and talking to my husband. It's like, why did this happen? And it's like, you know, and my husband was like, this is such a crazy circumstance. There is no way that this did not happen because God, like God has to have something else for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, how long is it going to take for me to know what it is? And he's like, I don't know how long it's going to take. It took two weeks. Partially posted a position. Mm -hmm. And I text my friend for my job, old job. I was like, hey, Project posted a position. He's like, good. I know somebody there. Shoot me your resume. Um, Within a couple days, I was interviewing. Um. I, I remember during my final interview, I was like crying because wow. you like have to do a presentation and I talked about my story and, mm. um, you know, it was very well received. And I could not believe, like, as I was going through this interview um, and the process up to start and stuff, I was just flashing back to, you know, my first really horrible period, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm also going through, thinking through all these other crazy career experiences where I just felt like I didn't fit in, or mm-hmm. I felt like me as a black woman was not accepted, mm-hmm. or even my most recent career experience that had been healthy, but I was carrying this shame of infertility, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking of the baby I lost in IVF and how unlucky I've always felt. And I'm like, no, this is not all coming full circle now to where mm-hmm. I'm now going to be working in business development to help people bring um, to help people build their families and getting ready, you know, have an opportunity to lay this burden down and just talk about my experience yeah, as a career. Like, right. it's just a, a thing. It's just like... The way the yeah, world works, uh, the way the stars align there. It's crazy. It's like yeah. a movie was flashing before my eyes, right? Like, I'm right. just like, whoa. Wow, God is uh, good, man. Yeah, so I feel like at Progeny, you know, I'm not just doing something I'm loved, I, that I love, but I'm in a place where I'm loved and I'm accepted. So like mm. as a black woman, you know what I mean? As a black woman struggling with infertility who has differences in their experiences and, you know, experiencing healthcare and navigating the healthcare system, like my voice is valued. And right. yes, um, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to um, ele- amplify the voices of black women who are struggling with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what, what are some resources that you all provide for women in general? Okay. So we do have our podcast, lots of educational resources. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also go on our website and look at the providers that are in our network because they've been really heavily vetted. There's a talk to HR link there also to where if your company does not have progeny, mm-hmm. um, you can reach out to us and one of us, one of, you know, me or my colleagues will reach out to you personally um, if you want to talk to try to coach you into how to advocate for benefits for your company. We will go to your health and benefits consultant or your HR department 
to connect with them and tell them why this benefit is best for them. The great thing about Progeny, um, we've done all the research. We have six years of data. We have some of the largest, you know, employers in the world, like, you know, for example, Microsoft's client. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, but we also have, you know, smaller companies like retail, like HEB. Um, mm -hmm. that have gone live with us and things like that. Like infertility touches everyone, whether you're a blue collar worker or a white collar worker. Yeah. And um, increasing access to healthcare, optimizing the opportunity for people to have families, bringing them quality care regardless of where they live um, is of paramount importance. But we've, we've also found through maximizing this patient experience by creating this white glove concierge member experience for employees, it's also saving employers downstream claim costs. A lot of people don't realize that your employees are your employers are usually paying for those medical claims out of pocket to an extent. So um, we found that when members have their hands held through their fertility journey, when they're not having to rely on the internet for um, resources and advice, when they're supported and guided and listened to. Um, and provided for emotionally, mentally, you know, and of course, you know, when it comes to navigating the fertility journey, um, that they waste less money. They make treatment-based decisions and not cost-based decisions. Right. And through that, um, employers are saving money too. Okay. Wow, that that's amazing. It really that is. That is amazing. And I, I didn't know this was a resource. Had no idea. Yeah. Go to Progeny.com. If you work somewhere that does not have the benefit, mm -hmm. um, we will reach out to them. <laughs> we know how to contact them to mm -hmm. advocate for the benefit and explain to them why this is something. I mean, in Progeny, we, we IPO'd in 2019. We're just, we're not some like, you know, we right. are, we know this industry very well. We have proven outcomes and not projected outcomes and um, mm -hmm. the way that we do our plan design is really equitable and provides coverage for anyone no matter what their path specifically would be I love it oh Delane oh, you just dropping gems I'm, I'm kind of speechless you know that's kind of hard I was, I was, no, I'm, but listen, I was going to say this it's like if anybody listening just first thing you can do is make a man go get something else yeah, yeah, absolutely. Before anybody goes to cutting and poking on you, okay? Right. <laughs> so, um, are there any, okay, when it comes to like insurance companies, because we're talking about that with your company as well, like that cover IVF, if not, are there any loopholes, grants, anything that people who don't have a lot of money can like qualify for or try to apply for? Like, what, what's out there? Absolutely. There are many different, um, Grant. So I would definitely point people to resolve the National Infertility Association. Okay. Um, they definitely help advocate for legislation that may um, require fertility coverage to be added, you know, mm -hmm. like for all employers in that area, things like that. That's a really great way to begin advocating for coverage, depending on, you know, what state you live in. Mm -hmm. um, but then also there's fertility for color girls. Um, that's ran by Pastor Stacy. Okay. And um, they give out grants um, pretty regularly. Um, and there is, an, um, you can follow the ASRM website <laughs> um, on Instagram. They give out a lot of great information. But also, I was going to say, um, 
brown, broken brown egg on Instagram. Okay. She's a great person to follow. Um, her name's Regina, but she posts whenever there are grants and things like that. And I think she has a grant that she um, offers through her organization mm-hmm. as well um, that you can sign up at. Um, there are a lot of different resources out there and organizations that are giving grants because it's known that access to care, acquiring financing for care is really challenging. And sometimes um, employers, they may have a, have coverage, but it's like, oh, two years of sex before you can. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's mm. a waste of my time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Using and things like that. So, yeah. Okay. All right, that was helpful, and we'll make sure we put those uh, resources in the description box as well for our, our listeners. Um, so I do have a question that we didn't really um, discuss either. As far as, like, I know you were saying earlier, like, you had a high sex drive at one point, and then when you were going through the process, like, it kind of tanked because, you know, you just didn't want to do it. You were tired you the body was on. constantly being right. stressed yeah. with life <laughs> so how did you keep things spicy in a bedroom mm-hmm. even when you didn't want to or like <sighs> i think conversation was like with your husband did that take breaks like walk us through that i think it's so interesting how people because people handle stress differently right so I'm a person when I feel really bad, when I feel really stressed out, you know, sex helps relieve my stress. With my husband, when he's really stressed out, that's like the last thing on his um, mind. Mm-hmm. And I think it really challenged us to like just spend more time communicating because mm-hmm. uh, there were significant periods of time where we're just like, you can't have sex at all. Mm-hmm. Sex for weeks, days, pumped up with mm-hmm. hormones and things like that. Um, and then I was on pelvic rest for most of my pregnancy. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think we got real close. <laughs> <laughs> we were arguing. We were arguing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we were arguing. I mean, there's a natural just like collision because you're not able to um, right. do that. And depending on what your love language is, you know, that's a problem. And then right. being a woman, you can't you can't receive like they don't want you to um, your uterus to contract. So wow. um, you know, there's some selflessness involved. But that's the route you want to go. Mm-hmm. But um, we did after we lost the first baby, we did take a vacation. Um, we went to Jamaica for like seven days, and that helped us reset. And we made a commitment to each other from there. Like you know, my husband was really honest with me about. How disconnected I've been since you know everything we were suffering. Yeah, and, you know there were even questions at the time like I know you're grieving, um, and I'm grieving too. But are we enough for each other? You know, right. are we enough? You know, that's real. Yeah. <clears throat> it is. It really is. Um, it tests your your marriage or your relationship, however you identify it as. It really does put things to test because. It's, it's so hurtful. You don't really, it's hard to process that. And on both ends, you know, and I always got asked, like, how is, how are you doing? And, you know, there were a few people that asked how Jonathan was doing, you know, but it was mainly like, how are you doing? Because I've, I'm the one who physically dealt with, you know, right. the, the loss, like in, internally, but emotionally and you know that my my husband was affected too so it really 
just it challenges your the dynamics of your your relationship for sure yeah absolutely absolutely and i i empathize with that so much and like there's so many different times without during the journey of infertility and loss where you're really hitting the reset button on your marriage yeah. it's so crazy to me like you say i do and like you're like i love this person so much but that pales in comparison to how much you grow to love them as you navigate loss grief oh unhappiness and stuff it's like you didn't see on that day that you were all dressed in white who this person was going to be when you came to this crossroads and stuff like that and he's like yeah this is what those vows were about you know yeah. what mm-hmm. i mean like yes. this is what you're preaching right now about. if it bursts an entirely new like it unlocks an entirely new door of intimacy right mm-hmm. and like it just comes from it just comes from a different place and i, I would say that's what our infertility journey did um for uh it just you have to try a little harder yeah mm. and it, it's like your your marriage your relationship becomes so much stronger because or at least I, I can only speak for for us but we feel yeah. like we can conquer anything you know yeah. um now i'm Absolutely. not trying to test that but it, you know we we went through that pain together and we went through yeah my pregnancy and the delivery or birth of our son and that, that trauma together. And we feel that we can, there's nothing that we can't do. Like we've been in a very dark space when it comes to our fertility journey. So it's, it's, it's beautiful on the other side. Right. Right. It's beauty from ashes. Literally. Absolutely. (laughs) um so delane before we let you go um we we always want to know if there's any advice that you would give to a mama a mama to be who has a similar story as you who may be going through their fertility journey what advice would you give her um persevere because i would say there are so many people i run into that just they just don't want to keep going. It's a lot. And I would say the biggest thing you need, because your body's not always showing up for you in the way that you need it to, yeah. um, is just persevere. Just hold on and keep trying. And I think back to um, our journey to conceive Nandi. Um, she was worth it. Mm-hmm. She was worth it. So um, if you have it in you, just really persevere and hang on. Um hang on and find a community of people that are dealing with what you are dealing with, which was really hard. I did not have that. But since I've been openly talking about infertility, Mm -hmm. I've acquired a community to some extent. Like there are people who text me when they're going through things or they need resources. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've answered that question for myself to some extent. So definitely just don't hold it all inside yeah I learned when I shared my story with having a miscarriage there were so many people who reached out to me and said I've been there and I was in I was completely shocked had no idea and it happened so much and a lot of women don't speak on it and I just felt it in my heart to like I'm pretty much an open book and I'm like you know what I'm going to share my story. This is what we've gone through. I've embraced it. 
and who knows who I may help throughout their process. They could be experiencing the same thing. And I felt alone because I didn't know of anyone who had a miscarriage, you know? So just putting myself out there um, created a space for other women to feel that they can talk to me about their experience because they never talked about it. So I'm happy that you're sharing your journey, Delane, because it's, it's needed. Your story is needed. Absolutely. And one thing I did want to ask you, um, so we follow each other on social media and you announced that you are pregnant. Yeah. So, like, first of all, that's exciting. And I just, before we let you go, because I know we've been letting you go for like 20 minutes now. (laughs) First of all, that's really exciting. But if you can just tell us about your journey this time, like, because I feel like your story is just like, I don't know. It's just so beautiful. Well, it's kind of crazy because remember I was telling you that original diagnosis, right? Uh-huh. So um, I had a cycle from the moment I, from, I mean, five weeks postpartum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was also nursing. So I just stopped nursing like three, four weeks ago. Okay. Um, so, but I, I guess I still thought I was tracking something. But mm-hmm. I didn't even think I needed to track. I was just trying to see, you know, like how my endo was acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my endo. I was my. trying to see how the endo was acting. The endo. So I was still keeping up with them, like trying to see how far apart it is, how close it is, stuff like that. You know, we decided we wanted to try to get pregnant maybe this coming June 2022. And we just riding in the car one day. This is like the day after Thanksgiving. We dropped our daughter off at my grandmother's house. And I was like, hey, pull over. I have to throw up. And he's like, I'm not pulling over. And you need to take a pregnancy test. I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, why am I ever keep taking credit? He says, and I was like, pull over. He's like, do you really have to throw up or do you just feel nauseous? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a test. I got home, I took a test, and it was positive. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So, and no process, I, just natural. Just that good old <sighs> intimacy. Man. Like good old I, intimacy. <laughs> good old intimacy. <laughs> I, I remember... I had recently, um, you know, because I stopped wearing, like, lingerie and stuff like that. Like, IVF, like, I felt disgusting. So my husband turned 40, um, and I surprised him with a trip to Mexico, but I brought my mom. And um, because we don't travel without the baby. So I brought my mom and got them a room at the same resort on the family side. And my husband and I had some days on the adult-only side Mm -hmm. Um, together. And I don't know, we just kept celebrating when we got home for a couple weeks. <laughs> but I was like a whole six, seven weeks pregnant. Wow. And um, yeah, I am now 23 weeks. Oh, wow. Um, I will say this pregnancy has been entirely different from um, the first. First of all, I have no idea how it even happened. <laughs> um, right. But, Naturally, yeah. just how, as it should. But, yeah, but um, also I just have not really had any stress. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I had a very sickly first trimester, but never have spot had spotting or anything like that. It's been pretty worry free, no drama. Um, I think I might be able to get a V back this time. You know, fingers okay. crossed. Okay. But I've also been able to kind of control my medical experience too. This is my second COVID pregnancy, so there are a couple of things I avoid, like I know who to make my appointments with and I I've become more skilled in advocating myself and trying to be mindful not to disrupt my emotions and things like that yeah 
do we know what we're having? Another little girl. Oh. I'm so excited about sister, sister. Okay. Yes. Oh, I'm going to have That's great. I mean, we knew we weren't done. We had three embryos left, so we knew we weren't done having kids anyway. Um, and we started with five embryos. So from the moment when we started our IVF journey and we did our egg retrieval, I'm like, oh, we're going to have five babies. And then we lost the first one. So it looks like we're still going to have five babies, you know? All right. <laughs> um, you know, I'm the oldest of five, so I always want a big family. Yeah. I don't know how carry all the kids. But um, we're happy. We're happy. Well, we're That's happy awesome. for you and your family. I'm ecstatic for you. Thank, yeah. you. thank you thank you and it's those always... other three you know if i'm interested to see how they all get here so me too yes. because i'm like <laughs> this pregnancy is so easy i'm just like hmm. <laughs> <I know. laughs> i'm not gonna leave them i'm not gonna leave them in free yeah oh i love it congratulations delane to you thank and your you husband and your baby girl and the baby that's coming super 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 <laughs> happy and excited for you all and thank you can you tell us um how you know we can find you on social media your social media handles or whatever you want to provide to our listeners i know people are going to have tons of questions for you Mm -hmm. i think the social platform that i'm most consistent on is linkedin and i just i work in business development so i just my content there is real specific it's not frequent but Mm -hmm. you know it's thoughtful so you can find me there, Delane Williams. I work at Progeny. Um, typically, if you find a professional photo of me, it's going to feature a red lip. And then <laughs> on Instagram, you can find me, Delane E. Williams. I'm not on Instagram a whole lot right now because I am pregnant and trying to protect my mind. But every now and then, I'll pop in and share something or scroll around. So definitely reach out to me there. You can always inbox me. I check my inbox maybe once a week. Um, and you can email me, delane.williams at progeny.com. Um, since I've been speaking out, I've had a couple people that reach out to me via text if they know me or via email mm-hmm. for resources on how to find a reputable provider and, you know, just get guidance and things like that. So always here to try to point you towards equitable health care. Can you spell progeny? P-R-O-G-Y-N-Y. Okay. So P-R-O-G-Y-N-Y. All right, and we'll have that in our description box as well. Well, Delaine, again, thank you so much for your time, and we're actually going to let you go for all this time. Okay, <laughs> well, it was nice talking to you too, Bestie. Ah, uh, thank and you. And we can't wait to have you back. Yes, yes. we can't wait <laughs> to hear about our, our next right, baby after she gets here. <laughs> bye. I know. Okay, I'll have to add y'all to the next thread. Bye-bye. Yes, <laughs> all bye. right, bye. <laughs> All right, Delaine. I enjoyed our conversation. It was so hopeful. She got her baby coming naturally. Like you, it's easy to give up on your body, especially when you your body has essentially failed you. Um, But I'm happy that she was optimistic, and she is like she naturally got pregnant with her second child. I know that was a beautiful surprise when I saw that on her social media. I was like, Oh my god, yes, I'm <laughs> so, here for it. Yes, it's, yes, I'm here for it. Anyways, well, 
friend. Ooh, it's my favorite time of the episode. And of course, that time is Mama Juice. Mama Juice. So y'all know we <laughs> always come with some depth to these these cocktails. And our cocktail today was inspired by Delane's story, right? And it's called Any Given Day. And the reason why it's called Any Given Day is because, you know, she's gone through this infertility journey. And she had this whole process. She's gone through these many ups and downs throughout her process. And at any given day, her baby blessing was going to come. And it did. It came multiple times. And that's what inspired today's drink. So we did a little research, too, on the ingredients. And from what we read, pineapples support fertility. So I believe Mm -hmm. there's like antioxidants or there's something in pineapples that support fertility. And that's the the base of our drink today. So I'm going to run down the ingredients. So we have two ounces of rum. We have two ounces of pineapple juice with coconut water. So this is like a combination. It's pineapple juice and coconut water. And then we have a half an ounce of cinnamon syrup, which cinnamon was also listed as an ingredient that supports fertility. And then depending on what size lime you have, if it's a small one, you'll use a half of a small lime. If it's a large one, you'll use a fourth of it. So those are the ingredients. I'm going to go over them again. Two ounces of rum, two ounces of pineapple juice with coconut water, a half an ounce of cinnamon syrup, and a half or a fourth of a lime. Mix all that in. If you want some extra cinnamon flavor, you can sprinkle in some dried cinnamon in your shaker, add some ice, and then pour it over ice in a cocktail glass. That's our cocktail, our Mama Juice cocktail. Now, if you're mama-to-be, I'm going to tell y'all this. Now, don't indulge in these pineapples, okay? Don't don't sit with them all day and eat them and drink them. You can have you a mocktail with pineapple juice, but do not sit there and drink this pineapple juice all day, okay? Uh, but the ingredients are pineapple juice with the coconut water. You can use the half an ounce of cinnamon syrup, and you can use the lime. So put all of that into a shaker and pour it in a cocktail glass so that you can feel that you're having a real cocktail. And that will be your mama juice mocktail. And of course, you can add some pineapple and cinnamon for garnish for both drinks. And when I tell y'all, this drink tastes like pineapple upside down cake to me. That's how that's how it tastes. It's good. I like it. And I think you'll yeah, like it too, like friend. Yeah, that's like my favorite drink. <laughs> so yeah. that's our mama juice for today. Okay. As well, I sip it. Thank you for that, friend. Mm-hmm. So for mama's corner, um, I felt like it was appropriate for us to be reflective um, today, tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've gotten so much information from Delaney. Um, Delaney, I'm talking about her Instagram name, excuse me. Delane um, tonight, and it was just um, so powerful mm-hmm. to me. So I felt like we should use this opportunity to be reflective. And one thing that really stuck out to me, you know, 
with the whole like getting your spouse checked. Yes. So like, you know, when you start having those conversations with your doctor, your OBGYN, because you know, you start taking your prenatal pills, what I recommend you start taking three uh, prenatal pills three months before you want to start conceiving. So when you start having those conversations with your doctor about conceiving, bring your spouse with you mm-hmm. and just get his sperm tested then. Yep. I don't think it's anything wrong with that. And it's so not that super way invasive either. Yourself, right, it's not super invasive. It, it seems like a lot of places allow you to do it at home and send it in yep. or whatever. So just, you know, get, just knock that out of the box. Yeah. Just off jump. Because we have to get checked too. Like, you know, do a little check or whatever and make sure everything is okay um from that standpoint so i don't think there's anything wrong with getting sperm tech off the bat not at all and that way you just kind of rule out that yeah absolutely so that was my takeaway my reflective okay or reflect or whatever <laughs> reflection <laughs> Reflection day. Oh, it's okay, I'm friend. Really it's okay. Um. Anyway, so my reflection from Delane's conversation was just her discipline, and she mm-hmm. didn't use that word exactly, but some of the behaviors that she had with her process. So she understood that she had endometriosis, so she altered her diet. She worked out. She did whatever she needed to do to prepare her body and, you know, get her. Well, I'm not going to say get herself pregnant, but essentially, yes, that's that's what that's what her goal was. So she was very intentional about working on what she could to ensure that she gets pregnant and has a healthy pregnancy. So just learning that she worked out like she was very consistent about that. And it also helped her with her mental health. But just having that discipline to commit to the change and sticking with it. And we saw, you know, the outcome. Um, so that's, that's, right. that's my point of reflection from Delane. It's just really admiring the, the discipline that she had and all the follow-ups and even the conversations with her doctor and being um, disciplined and following through with essentially everything or most of what they suggested leading into her husband getting right. his sperm you know analysis done so um I'm I'm always I'm here for the discipline and I really admired that about her her story yeah yeah and two as well like it's really it's so it's kind of hard to tell if your cycle or your menstrual cycle is normal or not because it just feels so different of course the board mm-hmm. like growing up I had terrible cycles like to the point where my mom had to take me up from school, I would throw up. I wouldn't be able to eat for a whole day. That changed once I had kids. Like, I don't make cramp anymore. But, like, pay attention to those things. Because Celine said she, you know, struggled with that for 10 years. Went 10 years without being diagnosed. So if you feel like something is just not right, like, push mm-hmm. with those tests. Push for them. Because at the end of the day, you know your body better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't care. And this is no shade to any doctor because we need them at the end of the day. Doctors are very beneficial. But sometimes we have to push back in order to get what we need because they don't know every single thing about us. Yes. They don't know what we feel. They don't know how we feel. 
And in order for them to know that is to get tests done. So if you don't feel comfortable about something, just advocate for yourself. And don't worry about being pushy or bitch or anything like that. Do what you have to do for yourself. Yep, absolutely. Because you're your best advocate. Mm -hmm. You're your best advocate. That's all I got for that. So, friend, where can the people find us? They can find us wherever they want to. Um, (laughs) So we are on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We are on Twitter and TikTok. We are pretty much on all social media platforms. And our tag is at the real mama pod. And if you want to personally find us, Devin and I, we, of course, we have our own um, Facebook and Instagram pages. My Instagram is at Kendra Ferg underscore. And that's K-E-N-D-R-A-F-E-R-G underscore. And friend, where can okay. they find you? And I'm at Deb Grace underscore. That's D-E-B as in Victor Grace, G-R-A-C-E underscore. Okay. And um, if you want to write us for Mama's Corner, Mama's Corner is an opportunity for us to connect with our listeners. And you can write in a Mama hack. You can seek advice from us. Or you can just tell us, hey, Mama, you're doing a good job. We definitely want to hear from you. So you can email us at mama at therealmamapod.com. Okay. Um, and then if you want to check out our mama merch, we do have some mama merch. We are restocking soon. You guys are showing out with just selling us out. <laughs> up, up, thank you. Uh, so thank you. We definitely appreciate that. But we still have limited sizes left in the sweatshirt. So if you guys want to cop that, you can, or just check out our website because you know we work hard on that. Um, <laughs> www.thebromamapod.com. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. No, I have nothing else. (laughs) Okay. I have nothing else. Do you have anything? I'm good. I think I said enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right, mamas. We will speak with you all later. Have a good night. Bye. Stay at home on 9 to 5.